listening to Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church. Stephen Pollock is the pastor of Free Presbyterian Church of Malvern, Pennsylvania. The church is located at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. Thank you for joining us today as Dr. Pollock opens the Word of God and lets the Bible speak. So we're going to look at Psalm 119, reading from the verse number 169, the last section of Psalm 119. The subject of our message tonight is old prayers for a new year. Old prayers for a new year. And we'll read this last section together. Let my cry come near before thee, O Lord. Give me understanding according to thy word. Let my supplication come before thee. Deliver me according to thy word. My lips shall utter praise when thou hast taught me thy statutes. My tongue shall speak of thy word, for all thy commandments are righteousness. Let thine hand help me, for I have chosen thy precepts. I have longed for thy salvation, O Lord, and thy law is my delight. Let my soul live, and it shall praise thee, and let thy judgments help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek thy servant, for I do not forget thy commandments. Amen. We go please to bless his word to your hearts tonight for his name's sake. So as I said, my desire tonight is to look at the subject of old prayers for a new year. And really it's a reflection that so many so-called new year resolutions aren't new at all. Uh, they simply reflect a desire in the individual to restart or to go back and to reclaim lost ground. And so as a church family, I thought it's important for us to again remember why we're here and what we're doing in the place of prayer. I've probably preached this sort of sermon dozens of times in my ministry, and, and yet there's always an importance to come back to consider these things together. Well, this is a new sermon, by the way, but the subjects are so very, very old. We keep coming back over the same ground when it comes to congregational prayer. And yet, if we're honest, we recognize that we keep slipping back. We go forward for a season, then we, we slip back in the place of prayer. And we need these continual reminders from God as to how we conduct ourselves in the place of public prayer. And so it is good for us to remember to, to renew, if you like, a resolution as a church family as to our purpose and intent in the place of public prayer, why we meet and what we ought to pray for as we meet. I'm going to use this last section of Psalm 119 to really answer these questions. Why we meet and what do we pray for when we meet? Well, well first of all, we must come as a church in a public prayer meeting to earnestly petition God. And I know it's, it's so obvious, I'm almost insulting your intelligence uh, tonight, but we must as a church resolve in our minds to come and earnestly petition God. Look at verse 169. Let my cry come near before thee. And then verse 170. Let my supplication come before me. Again, there is this recognition in the psalmist that as he comes to pray, he's selecting words that indicate what his prayer is and words to indicate who he's praying to. Let my cry come before thee, O Lord. Let my supplication come before thee. And we must remember certain things. We must remember 
that in a public prayer meeting we are praying to God. Again, I make no apology for stating such a very simple premise. We must remember we are praying to the God of heaven, to the Lord, capital L-O-R-D in our text 169. We are praying to the covenant-keeping God, the God who is Elohim, the creator God, and Jehovah, the God of covenant redemption. We are coming to this God who is over all things and yet has been pleased to condescend toward us in the gospel. Thus we come with reverence and joy. We, we come in a recognition that we're not praying to appear, but we're praying to a living God. We're not bringing petitions even to an earthly ruler. We are bringing petitions to a ruler far above any earthly ruler. And thus we must come with reverence and respect. We must come with the godly fear we considered uh, last year. And yet we do come mindful of our brethren. We are praying to God in the presence of others. And therefore, it is our responsibility as we pray to God that we frame those words that our brethren can agree with, that there's unity in the place of prayer, that we recognize that we're praying to a God, but doing so together. And thus, it is vitally important that we do not lead our brethren astray by misusing prayer. We are praying together to this God. And so our attention to God and our reverence for God will also keep in mind the presence of others who are obliged in the Word of God to give that corporate amen. So we're praying to God in the presence of others. And yet we must be forgetful of our brethren, at least to some degree. Again, many, their mouths are shut because they are far, far too conscious of those who are also in the prayer meeting. What will they think if I pray in this way? How will they view me? You young people, you need to free your mouths in the place of prayer and not be afraid of praying in the presence of older Christians. Now's the time to start praying in the public prayer meeting. If God blesses this church, and in a few years' time we have 200 in this prayer meeting, you're going to find it hard to pray then. Start now. Seek God's face publicly in prayer. Do not be so conscious of your brethren that you feel, well, they're going to judge me as to how I pray. Pray freely because you're praying to God. You're praying to the Lord God of heaven. What God thinks is what matters. You're also not to pray to your brethren. And sadly, and probably no more than a couple of occasions, but I find myself in prayer meetings when I knew the people who are praying were not praying to God, but to others in the prayer meeting. That's a tremendous travesty for prayer meeting. To misuse prayer to make a point to somebody else is a tremendous problem. And folks, also be careful. We're not immune from that potentiality in our prayer meeting. We begin to explain our views on this or that and pray in such a way that we're, we're really telling our brethren, this is what I think in this situation. We are praying to God, and we must never, ever forget that. So basic, so simple, but we are here to petition our God. It's also worth noting that in light of this, that we are coming uh, really uh, because of God's grace. The psalmist's prayers are significant here. Let my cry come near before me. There's, there's no presumption here. There's a, a sense of coming before God and requesting that God would be pleased to give an audience to his prayers. That's the spirit of the child of God. Now, now we, we have a similar spirit, but we, we also have an understanding of the gospel that is a New Testament understanding. We know what God has done through Christ. 
And so we, we know, if you like, we know Romans chapter 5. Now, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into the grace wherein we stand. We, we've access into God's presence. And again, the word grace is broad. But part of that grace is a place of prayer. And we know the veil is rent in twain. And the priesthood of all believers, we have a right to approach unto God. Because our access has been secured by Christ's death and by his resurrection. And thus we're thankful for God's grace. We're not so much concerned that God may not hear us. We know because of Christ we have access to be heard of God. And so we come with thankfulness. God has opened this new and living way for us. And so we come with humility and yet hopefulness. Believing that God will hear, but as we believe that God will hear, we're also mindful that he hears us according to his grace. What a thing it is for the God of heaven to incline his ear to hear this little band of believers in Malvern tonight. And yet God is pleased to hear your prayers. It's also worth remembering, just in these recollections and thoughts regarding our praying to God, that proper praying involves persistent pleading. Again, what was my point here? Well, why are we coming here? We're coming to earnestly petition God. And we've thought of what it is to look towards God in prayer, but now we're looking at this matter of earnestly petitioning God in prayer. And here I'm highlighting the words that are used in verse 169 and 170. Let my cry come near before thee, and let my supplication come before thee. Again, there are several words used, both in the Old and the New Testament, for prayer. And here we have this, this idea of supplication. It's referring to requests that we bring to God. We're beseeching God, but it's synonymous with our cry. Let my cry come near me. Let my supplication come before thee. And this is where I really think we need to call upon the Lord. We know what to pray Many of you never miss a prayer meeting. You're here every single week and you know exactly what the proper words are to offer in prayer. And so whilst perhaps our young people need to know their mouths listened, again, our older folks, we need to think about, well, what's driving our prayer? We know we should pray. We know we should utter words. It's going to be a very long and dull prayer meeting without anybody praying. And so we'll pray the words that we should pray. But honestly, maybe our heart's not in it. We're praying the right words, but we don't, know, we don't know this earnest, fervent praying of a righteous man. And according to James chapter 5, we need the work of the Spirit of God to enable us to pray in faith, to pray these earnest prayers. Not, not to utter words before God, but to cry before God. To call out to God urgently, diligently, believingly. Lord, hear our cries tonight. So that's why we're coming. We're coming to earnestly petition our God. But secondly, we come with petitions that honor God. Just two headings today. That's the second one. We come with petitions that honor God. Again, this is something that just came to me in, in terms of a way of, a, a way of expressing this. Something for us to think about. We understand that we're to pray those petitions that are according to the will of God. The Bible must frame uh, the, the things that we bring before God in prayer. But there's something consistent in that. 
When God answers prayers according to his will, those answers bring honor and glory to God. Hence, in our praying, we are looking for those petitions that are to end in God's glory. Well, yes, God may be glorified through healing someone who's ill or giving comfort to one who's grieving or saving some lost soul. Those are good prayers, and we, we understand those prayers. But I'm saying to you right now, we should think of those prayers as prayers that are ending in the glory of God. And so when you look at this section of Psalm 119, I understand the prayers that are offered here are prayers of the individual but I think we can look at them in terms of we are a collection of individuals as a church. We are believers together, and thus we can come and, and take the language here and, and make it a corporate prayer. Things that would govern how we pray corporately as the people of God. Things to pray over as a church. And I just want to highlight four. And these, these four things, in many ways, are things that we must pray about week by week. We must not neglect to pray over these things. But be diligent in praying for these four things. First of all, we must pray for God to help us to prioritize God-honoring worship. We see this from verse 175. Let my soul live, and it shall praise thee. I'm going to suggest to you that text implies the priority of public worship. The priority in a believer's life of offering praise unto God. You look back at verse 77. Again, you'll see this desire to live it occurs three times in this particular psalm. In verse 77, Let thy tender mercies come unto me, that I may live. The psalmist is a burden to live. Okay, that's, that's not inappropriate. We, we sometimes think that we feel guilty about ourselves because we, we, want, we don't want to go to heaven. We, we, we want to live in this earth. And Paul had the balance right. To live as Christ, to die as gain. We keep both in mind. But as the Lord would preserve us, so it is right and proper for us to desire life. Verse 116 also says something similar. Uphold me according unto thy word that I may live. And let me not be ashamed of my hope. Here's a, a burden of the psalmist that he would live, but, but live with a confidence in his God. But this desire to live is not to live to self, but to live in such a way as he brings glory to the name of God. And so our text again, verse 175, Let my soul live, and it shall praise thee. You see, you go back to the Psalm 88. And the Psalm 88, the psalmist is, is in a dark place. All manner of troubles are coming upon him. And he comes to the point that he believes his, his life is near an end. Verse number 3, For my soul is full of troubles, and my life draweth nigh unto the grave. He has this sense of impending doom. His life is about to be snuffed out. And he, he comes to God in the place of prayer. And he's, he's seeking God's face. And he brings holy arguments to God. Verse number 11. Note the argument. Shall thy loving kindness be declared in the grave? Or thy faithfulness in destruction? Please understand, he is not suggesting for a second that there is no eternal home with God. 
He's making the point that as a believer, if he lives, he offers praise to God. If he dies, that earthly praise ceases. He's not suggesting he will not praise God in the house of God forever and forever, Psalm 23. So don't misread this. But the argument is, his life on this earth is given by God in order for him to exalt the loving kindness of God, to declare God's loving kindness. And that's the same spirit of Psalm 119. Let my soul live and it shall praise thee. And so my burden for us tonight is realizing that taking this to God in prayer is taking to God in prayer the prioritization of God-honoring worship. That we would desire before God a compulsion to praise God. And to that end, we long for God's help in directing us in the content of worship. This desire, look what he says. Let my soul live and it shall praise thee, and let thy judgments help me. And I think the setting there is, he's desiring that God's word would help him in the attitude of praise. Verse 171, my lips shall utter praise when thou hast taught me thy statutes. My tongue shall speak of thy word, for all thy commandments are righteousness. When he has the word of God in his heart, the word of Christ dwelling richly, then he sings in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. The word of God so governs his soul that he utters praise unto God. Do you ever think of this? That you have breath in your lungs today that you can offer praise unto God? We, as a Reformed church, we emphasize the centrality of preaching. In our worship, we, we see uh, the act of preaching as a central act of, of public worship. But that must never in our hearts cause us to diminish the importance of singing praise unto God. Don't have this idea that the singing is only something we do to prepare our hearts to hear preaching. There's truth in that to some degree. Undoubtedly, the singing does indeed warm our hearts to then give us a spirit to hear the word of God. But the act of public praise and worship is in itself a vital element of God honoring public worship. And the psalmist is telling us here, I want to live for this purpose. I want to live in this world so that I can give praise to my God. And the language of Psalm 88, to declare God's loving kindness. So if we're going to pray over this, we've got to ask ourselves the question again, what does public worship mean to me? And particularly, what does gathering together to sing mean to me? What we do here counts. What we do here in the Lord's Day matters. And it's not just about coming to hear a sermon. It's coming before God because it is centrally important in our lives that we live. God gives us breath that we praise Him. Praying about that priority. Praying for our church here in Malvern, for the church in our denomination, for our missionaries, that we all live in this sense that we are in this earth and our chief end is to glorify God. Part of which is going to praise Him publicly in the house of God. So to pray for these things, pray for a fresh perspective on the importance of God-honoring praise and worship. Secondly, I want us to pray that God would enable us all to mature in our knowledge of the Word. The priority of worship, but also to mature in our knowledge of the Word. Verse 169, 
Let my cry come near before thee, O Lord. Give me understanding according to thy word. Understanding. Note how he words it. He does not say, give me the understanding of thy word. It's implied, that's not how he words it. You see, understanding can come from many different sources. Understanding from things can come from your peers. They, you can discuss things and have conversations, and your understanding of the situation can, can grow and develop. It can come from, uh, again, from teachers or social media, perish the thought, or some other sense, and you get understanding from all these various, various sources. There's a recognition that understanding does not invariably come from the Word of God. And so his desire, his burden is, I want to understand God and life through the prism of the Word. Give me understanding according to thy Word. May your Word govern how I think. May your Word govern my opinions. May your Word govern my words. May your Word govern everything that I believe. That's what he's praying for. And I'm encouraging you to pray for that in this year, that God will cause all to mature in our knowledge of the Word. God, help us to understand life through the Word. And so pray for preachers. We hear, Lord's Day, or we're here by Wednesday night, by Wednesday night, and we, we pray for preachers. Because in the language of Nehemiah chapter 8, it is their duty to give the sense and cause them to understand the reading. It's the duty of the preacher to make sure that their understanding is governed by the Word. You never want a preacher in the pulpit who gives you his understanding and inserts that into the Word, but rather a preacher whose understanding comes out of the Word and therefore that's shared with you. I need to pray for the hearers as Paul prays for the Colossians. He prays for them that they may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. It's the knowledge of God's word that comes with understanding, and that's the application of the word. So not only do you hear the word of God, but you hear the word of God with faith, and that governs how you think. So you're not listening to the word of God and saying, well, that doesn't square with what I think in a minute or two. I'm going to set that aside. But rather, you channel your own understanding to be according to the word of God, and if need be, change your mind. It's important to change your mind sometimes, to be open to what God says to you. Don't come to hear preaching Sunday by Sunday simply to agree with the preacher. Sometimes disagree, and then think, and then maybe change. Or else come and change me, because we're all growing together in understanding the Word of God. Pray for that maturity in understanding the Word. Thirdly, pray for God to grant us the grace to enjoy communion with him despite our sins. Look at verse 176. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek thy servant, for I do not forget thy commandments. There's the petition, seek thy servant. But isn't just a very intriguing verse? It almost sounds like a summary of Romans chapter 7. I don't forget your commandments. I have a heart for your word. And yet, I've gone astray like a lost sheep. Therefore, come and seek me. And it's a, it's a wonderful indication of what it is to be a Christian. We do go astray. And thus, we're, we're seeking God's face in prayer that he would lead the wanderers to repentance. 
This year will find some people in this congregation going astray. Young people, not so young. That may not be public, may be discreet and private, but it is impossible for this congregation to go through a year without many of the members going astray in certain areas. Such is the nature of remaining sin. Therefore, there must always be this need. Lord, you know this congregation. Seek the wandering sheep. Draw them to yourself that we would know grace to commune with God, that we'd know that seeking of Christ, that Christ would find us and bring us to himself. It's a prayer, really, ultimately, for the sanctification of this church. We're praying for our work of worship. We're praying, if you like, for our time under the Word of God. And we're praying here in the context of verse 176, we're praying really for God to sanctify us, to seek us out, to make us more like Himself. I don't really mind how long you've been a Christian. Don't be content with where you are with the Lord today. Seek God's face to go further and to go higher with Christ this year. Seek thy servant. And then finally, very briefly, we're going to pray for the power of God to advance the kingdom. There are two, uh, two petitions in this psalm that refer to that. You've got verse 173, let thine hand help me. Again, that sense I'm taking this from a, an individual to a corporate sense. It's a recognition again of the language of Ezra and Nehemiah, the hand of God was upon them for good. The kingdom progresses because God's hands upon them. It's like Mark chapter 16. They go forth, they preach everywhere. The Lord working with them, the hand of God with us. Pray over that. I think all I've said tonight, this is one area we do, we do, we do very, very well. We continue to realize that this work is nothing without the hand of God. Our missionaries can do nothing without the hand of God. We understand that. Then you get verse 170. Deliver me according to thy word. This prayer for deliverance. Uh, again, that relates to the advance of the gospel. I think of Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified, even as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. Got to pray, Lord, deliver us for the advance of the kingdom. The word of God would have free course and be glorified. Nothing new. Old prayers for a new year. May God help us to understand what it is to be a Christian in the church today. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Let the Bible Speak from Malvern Free Presbyterian Church. If you'd like more information about the gospel or the church, please call 610-993-3170 or email malvernfpc at yahoo.com. We extend an invitation to all to join us as we worship the Lord each week. You will be made very welcome. The church is situated at 80 Mallon Road, Malvern, Pennsylvania, at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. We meet for worship on the Lord's Day at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. A Bible study and prayer meeting is also held on Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We preach Christ crucified.